There's a world beyond New York when it comes to theater. And there are tours, both large and small, musicals and plays, proving that there are audiences all around the country eager for great shows. Hello, I'm Gordon Cox from Variety, and joining me today to share their insight into the world of national tours are Meredith Blair, president of the Booking Group, Mike Isaacson, producer of Fox Theatricals, Colleen Jennings Rogensock, executive director, ASU Gamage, Stephen Schnepp, president, Broadway Booking Office NYC, and Alan Williams, general manager, Alan Wasser Associates. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, I wonder if we could start off just talking a little bit about the shows that tend to do well on the road. Um, can you tell me, can you give us sort of some broad characteristics of shows that you think um, tend uh, to pull in audiences? Know, I, I will tell you what, what has been remarkable for us in Arizona has been obviously from Cats to Phantom to Les Mis to Wicked to Mary Poppins. I mean, I think about the big blockbusters that continue to play and resonate because they have a legacy, a New York legacy, in some cases a West End legacy. I'll turn to my fellow road <laughs> presenter, Mike. Yeah, um, it's, you know, that's actually the question of the business mm -hmm. that we all have to answer What's gonna work? a year mm -hmm. out before we have to present mm -hmm. a show. And it's something we spend a lot of time on. I, I think that what Colleen said is absolutely right. The other, the other thing I think, I think that there's a difference between, and it's subtle, if there's a difference between what a, uh, road audience is looking for and what uh, a New York, you, can, you cannot discount that when you come to Broadway, it's a community and there's 22 theaters and there's this enormous sense of variety and <clears throat> within the New York theatrical co community in producing here, there is very much an awareness of form of being a reason to produce a show. Um, my, my experience of road audiences is their primary interest is character. It's very much story. They're, they're very much interested in, in going to this place and experiencing a journey. So uh, that would probably be the only distinction, but I think calling that. Well, I think the common denominator, mm. though, is that people uh, gravitate towards what's familiar. Exactly. Um, and familiar can be defined in a lot of different ways. I mean, the blockbusters are more familiar because they're, they have a higher profile or whatever, but revivals tend to do well. Um, uh, because it's a they know the songs. It's familiar to them. Um, that's why there's always a, a push or often a push for, for star casting on the road because that, that familiarizes the product a little bit, which is a difficult, that's a whole other and, topic. And but I would also say, I'm sorry, Steve, I would also say that we went through a period of where I would agree with you where story was very important. But we also went through a period of spectacle. Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, yes. Chandeliers and helicopters yep. and uh, people Lion flying King, all over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really think spectacle for a long time ruled the road. And Chicago yeah. changed all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. and, and currently, you exactly. know, Wicked, really, Wicked, Jersey Boys, uh, Lion King are still probably the three leaders, Phantom before it, before it ended. Uh, and then right behind it, I'd say Mary Poppins and um, maybe Billy Elliot, because they're multi-weeker. They, they're playing for multi-weeks. And Mamma Mia. And Mamma Mia, of course. Yeah, forgive me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and, and the, that slide. But that goes back to what Meredith said about what becomes a Billy. classic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because all of those shows you've just named actually have now become classics, because we went through the old South Pacific, mm -hmm. time and time again with Robert Goulet, mm -hmm. and now it's coming back again. But Mamma Mia really well. is a classic on the road. Mm -hmm. it's interesting, yeah, you know, it's true. We've played most cities five yeah. or six times. Right, yeah. right. The other common denominator of all those shows, though, mm -hmm. when audiences in New York 
went to see them, and people from out of town came to New York to see mm -hmm. them. They walked out and they told their friends, right. you have to go see this. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. It had that yes. absolute, not yes. like, oh, it was good. Oh, we really liked it. Yeah. It was, yeah. you've got to go. And that word gets out. And that mm -hmm. word it just, does. it's the no, most no. powerful force. Well, these are shows that they'll see multiple times. Right. Mm -hmm. They'll see it in New York, then they'll see it in their hometown. Um, which is a strange phenomenon because then they come back to New York and they'd actually see that show again before they'd see a new title that they're not familiar yeah. with. Yeah, you are absolutely right. It's like they don't want to yeah. take a risk on the unknown. Yeah, yeah. But for that kind of money, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot, exactly. especially in the current economy, that's, that's something that I think that we're all grappling with is if there's um, a concern about spending those, those precious dollars, they're not willing to gamble on something they may not like and they don't want to experiment with it. Right. That, we're finding that a lot, unfortunately. And I think that is a, a sort of a sea change a little I, bit from maybe where things were five years ago. I think it is, but I also think the whole notion of technology has taken us into another realm. And I want to use High School Musical as that mm. example. My daughter was, was very young then and she said, Mom, I want to see this musical, High School Musical. And it was t the television thing. I said, what are you talking about? She said, oh, I was on the internet and they said da 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 da. And that show from the television version to the stage version went, by the time it got on the road, there was an enormous young audience there that we hadn't seen before. And it wasn't necessarily because people came to New York and said, oh, you have to see it. It was because their children said, I heard about this. Right. It had already been distributed. It had already been distributed, distributed through another media. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. mm -hmm. So actually, that touches on one of my that was what was going to be one of my questions, which is how important to is is Broadway to the establishment of a title as a classic? Is it, uh, you know, it's said that people can say direct from Broadway, and that's can be handy, um, probably both for you for uh, Steve and Meredith as bookers, sort of present selling it to people, and then for presenters and selling it to your audiences. Yeah. Presenters still um, want to go down the street of Broadway and shop for shows that are popular. Right. And then in terms of, so they get anchors and they can speak to that, of the, the big shows. And then, right. then there's a question mark about the next shows. And it has to do with price of what, right. what the, what's being charged for, for the to the presenter. Um, and several other variables, too. You know, it's almost every question that you ask Gordon has another side to it. Mm -hmm. Because I think of Frank Wildhorn, mm -hmm. and my community loved Frank Wildhorn. Mm -hmm. So all three of Frank's shows, whether it was Scarlet Pimpernel, even Civil, Civil War. War, and Jekyll and, Jekyll and Hyde. Hyde, opened in our house, right. was on the road before it came to Broadway. And we had great success. They knew the music. Isn't that right? Yeah, Scarlet right. Pimpernel, I don't think. Maybe not Scarlet Pimpernel, but the other but two, the other two, the other two yeah. did. Yeah. And, and so people were like, oh, it's Frank Wildhorn. We're going to go. Mm -hmm. um, so the music I, is so very accessible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a new one out, yes. Wonderland. Yes. Coming up. But you can't, you, as a presenter, most of us are doing a, a subscription series where you're doing anywhere, depending on what you are, four to six, or some of the major markets, eight to ten shows a year. So part of your responsibility, really to the community, depending on the size, is you, you have to communicate and talk about range. You know, not everything is going to be Wicked or Jersey Boys. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you have to bring them into the conversation about who these writers are, what, what place this show is, what it is. You sort of, mm -hmm. they don't know what it is. They really don't. So you, part of your obligation as a presenter is you sort of have to set the table and lay out the expectations for the show before they come in. And, and it's probably the, one of the hardest struggles we're all dealing with as a business because it seems each year less and less information about Broadway is sort of getting right. out. Right. 
and it's a constant conversation with all of us about the tools, the technology, things we can do. But it's a, it, to me, it feels harder than it was five to seven years ago yeah. in terms of people not knowing. It, it used to be if you got that, that, that play on the Today Show and that certain sort of basket of goods you could get for a Broadway show in New York, everybody sort of knew about it. Because the media is well, so diversified right. now, the yeah. communication is so diversified. The, well, and newspapers have disappeared. Mm -hmm. And for many communities across the country, not only are the papers disappearing, but the theater critic mm -hmm. is no longer. Yeah. So we often struggle with that, and we, I find as a presenter, we become our own theater critic. For instance, we have a, a program called the Gamage Ambassadors, and there are 20 of them ranging from age from 9 to 90. We have them see shows, write reviews, post them on our website, and we videotape them talking, and it, it begins to create a critical theatrical environment where I don't believe that there is one necessarily as it pertains to Broadway in, in the community. Yeah, that's true. I always make the comparison. Um, People magazine, probably one of the, the, the mm -hmm. most read magazines in the country. Um, there's at the beginning of that magazine, there's book reviews, there's album mm -hmm. reviews, there oh, are right. there's a review for every other entertainment medium except the theater. theater. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it's no wonder people aren't familiar, uh, you know, if, if the, the mediums that they're reading aren't covering you're right, it. You're absolutely right, Mary. Well, part of the reason is because the theater is presented locally. There's no, you know, like, the, like other medium, you, can't, you can only access it by going to that, that facility. And when it's in, at the Gamage in Tempe, it's, it's a, a radius of audience that you, you know, that's limited. Everything else, a movie, a book, the distribution is wide immediately. So um, I guess it's less interest in the media. Right. Yeah, but that is one of the biggest conversations I think we have as an industry right now is how do we educate the, the audiences outside right. of New York in the Heights, won a Tony Award, um, and, and had, you know, got great reviews on the road, wonderful production, struggled a little bit because people didn't know what it was. Same with Light in the Piazza. Same with Light in the Piazza. Light in the Piazza. Yeah. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, also to, to defend the road, there's sometimes work on, in Broadway itself, like Passing Strange was one of those, those musicals I thought this would be great for the road, especially since I'm in a college town, and we just could not make it happen. So I think sometimes the context and providing contextual information about performances is, is where our biggest work effort is in our communities, and I even think here in New York. Passing Strange's example, sorry to um, interrupt, Michael, um, is that was a, an example of just not enough. If you were on board, but there weren't enough of you right. all right. to create really the volume of stories. Right. Right. something for people to understand. Right. <coughs> exactly. Right. Well, you start, you start talking about a little bit of the logistics of putting a tour together. Can we talk a bit about the Nuts and Bolts and Alan, um, if you want sure. to start us um, off? I mean, for the most part, these tours are, are um, franchises of a Broadway show. Sometimes they start on the on the road, but that's the that's the exception to the rule. Um, so if the if the show actually has enough success on Broadway, uh, the producer is eager to be able to distribute it across the country, and that's you know not to make it secondary, but it is the next step, if you will. Um, and they call on the general manager to try to find a way to organize it financially that it can make sense, so that our colleagues, the bookers, Meredith and Steve, could actually sell it to a presenter, which would be the same as Colleen and Michael. And the presenters are, <laughs> the, the, presenters are the customer here. Uh, ultimately, the real customer is the consumer. Um, so like, you know, if the popularity isn't there, then they're not going to be able to justify buying it for a certain price, because you know, the show is going to be priced at a certain amount of money. I have an obligation to my client, who's the producer, to be able to make sure enough income is there 
to make not only what our weekly operating cost is, but a, enough to actually be able to pay back the startup costs. And that is then the push and pull. If the show is perceived as being wildly popular and that the pre presenter knows they can sell it, then it's easier for the booker to, to sell it and I can a demand a higher price. Um, so you are constantly trying to press down the production values in order to make sure that they meet the sort of critical mass of price and demand. Um, and you know, it's really very simple economics, but there's several steps along the way that play into it. Mm -hmm. As presenters, we look at the eight, seven or eight shows we have in a season, mm -hmm. and we look at the most popular show, which tends to be a larger blockbuster, but we also look at, Meredith mentioned the P word, the play. I like to have a play in the season, but economically, we have to balance what that big show is going to be with what a medium sh show is going to be. And you can't have a season of all big titles. So it's kind of this balancing act that has to happen in addition to that because And often you the well balancing know. act is not just in terms of the economics of the show, but no, I, I believe that you all try and come up with absolutely. an assortment um, absolutely. Uh, um, of a revival, a right. blockbuster, something right. a little edgy, perhaps the Tony Award winner, but you don't want to present a season of all revivals or right. of all plays. You really kind of want to give them a sampling right. of, what's, mm -hmm. uh, of what's recent in New York. And it becomes Both. tough. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It becomes tough to when on Broadway there are like shows. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you have your, um, and uh, with no disrespect, a jukebox musical, and then there are several of them, you're like, but I only really want one well, on right. the season. Yeah. And then as the, as the producer or as right. somebody representing the show, it's like, but they're not the same thing. Right. But, uh, yeah. but they are of a certain genre. And I, we do to understand the dilemma. But it, yeah, mm -hmm. it's an interesting debate. Going back to what Mike was saying is that then you have to not only inform the expectations of the audience, but anticipate it at the same time. Yes, yeah. you know, yes. So uh, the truth is, is that if we knew exactly what the audience wanted, there would be no challenge <laughs> here, and everyone would be just fine. Yeah, there would be right. no price differences. Everything yeah. would be the same. That's right. Right. But you also get, and this is where, um, having both presented and produced tours, I, I, honestly, I don't think I really understood this country until I worked on my first tour. And when you go out and you see the theaters and you see how, and, and it becomes very real, cultural economic differences yeah. all around the country completely impact yeah, the success true. of a tour. Right. And the irony is we're all completely interdependent on each other, which Steve mm -hmm. sort of pointed out. If, mm -hmm. if Colleen doesn't book her week and I don't book my weeks and we don't get enough, then there's no tour. Mm -hmm. So part of what happens every... January and February, it's nuts. I mean, we're all Maybe calling March, each other, and you're sort of going, okay, who's on the coalition of the willing for this one? And can we, you know, you're, you, you end up calling each other saying, what do you think, and, and reading each other. And, and, and actually, a very quite wonderful cooperative way. I mean, it's, it's very interesting how few people actually share very, a lot of very important information well, that yeah. becomes well, Frost productive. Frost Nixon is actually a well, perfect Frost example Nixon of that. And an, a great example of that because it was a fabulous play mm -hmm. and as Meredith knows it was a play that we really wanted. And part of, part of our responsibility as presenters for Mike and I is we actually call our colleagues mm -hmm. and go, come on, this is a great play. If come on board it, with I us. Do if it, you don't do it, yeah. I can't do it. And, uh, and often that's how work comes together because these guys do a great job of lining everything up, but 
we are interdependent mm -hmm. and we do need each other and sometimes you fall in love with something frost, frost nixon was one of those examples spring awakening was another mm -hmm. and you say we have to have it mm -hmm. we have to have it the downside of that is financial desperation if in fact those elements can't be put together properly occasionally they'll come back to myself and the producer and say the only way this will work is if it costs twenty thousand dollars a week less mm -hmm. which means that then the creative staff gets involved because it means cutting right. some scenery, cutting some actors, right. making it more simplified. You know, you still want to maintain the, the glorious quality of whatever it was you produced originally on Broadway, but you have to make compromises in order to meet the reality of their economic mm -hmm. and still preserve the reality of your yeah. own. But right. mm -hmm. Yes, that is absolutely true. But what has been very healthy in the last couple of years is actually I, I, there's been a lot of great work with uh, creative teams. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they no longer see it as compromises. And what we've all learned is that you just, why do you open a show in New York? You run out of time and money. And there it is. And then if you're lucky, <laughs> there it is, right? Right, right. And then you run. <laughs> and if you're smart, you're going into the theater and you're, you're still learning about your show. And all those lessons then go into the tour and the ramifications of the physical parameters of, un, you know, if it's a standard tour, closing on a Sunday night, right. opening the next city right. on Tuesday of six trucks and that. With the right artists, and they are now a lot of them really understand this. It it helps you create a really wonderful production. That that the trick is to not look at it as the reduced New York production, right? But its own right. touring yes. production. I am right. so right. glad yes. you said that yeah. because right. the fight we have yeah. on the road, mm -hmm. particularly as as people uh, in my state, there are, there are people coming in and people going out of the state all the time. And they'll say, I don't want to see that. I, I only like theater in New York. <laughs> and I roll, oh, please, yes. <laughs> Come back. Oh, heavens, yes. Years, every years. Yes. Yeah. But wow. then I have people who go <laughs> to Broadway and the West End, and they come back and go, I liked it better at Gamage. It was greater at Gamage. I think it, it has a different sense. And even producers who have come to Gamage, and we just did Mary Poppins, and uh, Tom Schumacher came, and he went, God, this looks really good in here. I mean, I, I really think that happens, and it isn't less than. And I'll just say one more thing. The other notion is, while you may have the big star on the road on Broadway, the show may not require that big star on the road. The show itself may be the star. Mm -hmm. right. And so, you did, like My Fair Lady, you didn't need an Eliza Doolittle with a name. What's the, uh, what's, what is the sort of standard operating procedure for um, a tour and where it goes and how long it stays there? And then how do you negotiate when it's longer and shorter? Mm -hmm. um, well, well, the basic is when you, when, you call, when you call a subscription week tour, which means it's a tour that's going to head out and um, play each city for only those performances where they have, they've sold tickets in advance, they have subscribers in them. So it's basically depending, like St. Louis, I do two weeks, I have a two-week subscription series. Oh, well, we have a one-week subscription, one -week subscription series. series. So generally, the show um, has to close after a Sunday night performance mm -hmm. in one city, Load up, travel, and open on a Tuesday. Open up on a Tuesday night at mm -hmm. eight o'clock. For an eight performance right. week. Right. right. And most of those, so a guarantee sum is paid from the presenter to the producer, right. and the producer or general manager, like Alan, would add up all those monies and say, okay, there's enough of that to pay the initial startup costs, right. and so we have a tour enough to pay the, in the fee to pay the startup costs, a share of the startup costs, and the weekly operating. 
And the other tours that are the larger tours that should they run, should Jersey Boys be three weeks? Should it be four weeks? Should it be five weeks? Right. Those are almost separate. There's a whole, it's a whole different, uh, a different advisement way. that we, we have to, as agents, have to give the producer. And we have to have conversation with the presenters about what they think, uh, how long the, the show could run in their market. Uh, it's a, there's a lot more variables to consider on, on that model. Right. And, and in terms of uh, um, a critical mass of the number of stops a tour needs to make to make it viable, is there a sort of... That's changed too. Mm -hmm. is there, yeah. Yeah. Minimum. Used to be, used to be 40 week, 35, 40 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think it's more like 50. If you have to start capitalizing from from the first week, if yeah. you if you've had it, some tours I've worked on were capitalized. The Broadway rolled over to London, rolled over to the tour, so it all kind of the money all right, flowed. Right, but it's its own animal. It generally, right. yeah. yeah right. But if you're starting it up from scratch, it, but it's tours not, are also lasting a little bit longer too. There are frankly more full week subscription markets than there used That's to be. Right. New, exactly. new performing arts centers have been built, you know, and some markets have gone to longer subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a 60, 65 week tour for a non blockbuster is kind of almost becoming the norm. That's right. right. Which may span two seasons, yes, two right. calendar right. years, because yes. there are periods of time that aren't practical to uh, to present right. the show. And sometimes, you know, we wait. I mean, I think that's the other issue. And we're we're one of the top markets, and so my community expects if a show's opening on Broadway, it's going to be in Tempe. And when I have to say, you know, they're going to do an East Coast swing, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, a lot of it is why just not? The logistics. And it yeah. is logistics making that happen. Um, I would also say there's a difference in in markets because. We have a one-week market, but we do, in addition to those seven, eight shows, we also do four specials. Mm -hmm. So we bring out shows that aren't on subscription, that we figure can hold their own. We do about four of those titles, but they could be, Jersey Boys is an example, it could be a four-week run of that special title. Also, we're a 3,017-seat theater. So when something comes in, Frank Lloyd, and Frank Lloyd Wright, God bless his soul, you know, built and designed 3,017 seats in this house. And so a, a show comes in, and we want to know in the eight performances that we're going to have fairly decent houses during that time. And it's By contrast, a New York Broadway house for musicals is usually... 1150 to 1800 seats. I think that's, that's, that's the, always the, 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 yeah. the, the shock to, right. to producers who haven't been out on the road yet is the size of the houses out there. And we tell them we're playing the Fox. I mean, how many oh, seats is oh the yeah. Fox? 4100. Yeah, 40, 40, the blood drains out of their face. Yeah. Yeah. My show's not going to be intimate there. But yeah. that's where St. Louis is used to seeing their yeah. Broadway shows. Right. So the it's, and the average roadhouse is probably about 2600 seats. Right. That's, you know, it, it's funny. I have, it's 4100 seats. It's, a, it's one of the old movie palaces. There's one in Atlanta, one in Detroit, um, extraordinary theater. Um, and I always encourage those artists I know who are like, oh my God, no, no, hop a plane, come and see this. Mm -hmm. And it's actually quite moving to them to see their show work mm -hmm. in that space for that mm -hmm. number of space. people. I said, I said to Stephen Schwartz, you, you need to come and stand right. on the side aisle and, and watch 4,000 people go out of their minds during right. Defying Gravity. Right. Right. I mean, it really is quite, and, and what I find, what works for the space is really the level of the ideas in the writing. Right. Mm -hmm. right. if, if there's a strength in the writing, if there's true conflict in character, mm -hmm. it, it works. It's really mm -hmm. quite remarkable. Can we, we touch on this a little bit, but can we speak a little bit about uh, plays? Um, you, <laughs> yes. you, I mean, the first, well, the first uh, shows that were listed in terms of being successful on the road were all musicals, mm -hmm. Colleen, and I just, uh, and there have been plays that have toured. Can you tell me about 
Is there a place for um I definitely have it. It I is one of my cause celeb. Pause right, right now. Right. Which, yeah, it is a cause. Uh, it is a cause celeb. Um, I've booked a great many plays over the past 15 years, um, and kind of made it had it was a mission to make sure that one went out every year because I just think it's important that that be part of the of the overall picture of a series. Not every subscription market is even willing to experiment like that, um, and some that you wouldn't expect have the same mandate. They want to have a play on on, on their season, um, but. It's become more and more difficult to get them out there. Tony Award winners, Pulitzer Prize winners, um, shows that people even ask about and know about. But you know, I think one of those things is the. I want to go back to mission and the commitment of a play coming out. Richard Thomas mm -hmm. is a hero. He came out in Twelve Angry Men, and there are all these things that you know. Here's John Boy, and so we knew. Ah, oh, there was John Boy. Those actors worked our community. They would say, Colleen, we're going to go and talk to this class, or we're going to go and meet with the VFW. How did you get that? Well, we met this guy at lunch, and because he cared so much about that play, and everyone in there, the seminal actors in there, all knew that they had to have a commitment to the community. That and was one of the most successful touring oh, plays. Amazing. Yeah. Because it had in it. Right. Yes. Usually now we have stars on Broadway, big stars, big big well, stars on Broadway doing plays, and then who do we get for the touring? And that's production? always the question when the play goes right. out. Well, who's going to be in and it? And I'm going to be a little contrary in here. Okay. Do. I, no, I, I do agree with that, but 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 you can, you can graph the decline of the touring play with the rise of the American Regional Theater. Yeah. Yes. And that's what you what, what when you yeah. do when you do when and, you do and by that you mean the nonprofit the with yes. uh, yeah. 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 And 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 so what what happened is you have many great local regional theaters, Lord theaters who are are doing fantastic productions and they sort of took that Niche away. And, and, and you're right, actually. And, and so that you that's get pressure as a presenter right, from right, the local right. lord house saying, "Please don't pick up that production of Red because if you don't, yeah, I can we, license yeah, it." We, we, it. we, we get it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We get it all the time. So yeah. you 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 have that. But also, even if you look at the economics of plays in New York, let's be clear. What, uh, maybe Doubt was the last play that ran more than a year. I mean, they're they're all doing. Oh. Right now, the model is like you right, said, right, sixteen right. weeks star engagements. Right. Right. And all of these stars who are doing 16 weeks in New York, if we could get them 16 weeks on the road, first of all, they'd make twice as much money, right. yeah. and it would be a love right. fest. Right. I mean, right. part of my, now, I'm, I'm heading out here, kids, join me. <laughs> no, part of my frustration is, it, 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 Colleen touched on it, there is this whole relationship that you can have with an audience that is a part of your career, that is a part of your life. And you know, when Cherry Jones went out right, in Doubt, mm -hmm. it was incredibly moving for them. And, and people, they know that this talent they're seeing is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And it is really a remarkable experience. And it's very frustrating to me that an agent will tell their client, sit at home instead of going and taking, taking this work. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something we talk about yeah. constantly. Mm -hmm. And you know, so we almost wish that they felt right. more of a responsibility. Right. Well, exactly. They are the ambassador they, of the they right. are. And, and, and I think mm -hmm. once they do that, we, yeah. when um, Billy Crystal did 700 Sundays, mm -hmm. and I saw it, and I came, and I talked to his agent, I talked to his mentor, and I said, come to Tempe, come to, he goes, no, no, I'm not doing the road, want to go back to L.A. I go, no, no, come to Tempe. And I think they just got tired of hearing from yeah. me. And so <laughs> he said, okay, I'll do two weeks, and then 
he went off to Australia, and he came and did two sold-out weeks. Mm -hmm. He wow. also played baseball with the ASU baseball team, and I mean, he just did some fun things, yeah. but people came and they loved it. And I did right. August Osage County. Mm -hmm. right. oh, I so saw it in New York, and it was one of those things where you just said, you have to do this. Yes. Right, right. You, you, you yeah, love the theater. Too. This is great theater. It has to be done. There's no question. I know I'm going to lose money. But 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 that's where I mean, the equation went. But you stepped up, and, yeah, you step up. and right. no, we and didn't. We that. did okay. But, but you I, looked at that set, and you looked at this, and you went, "This is such an extraordinary so experience." Amazing. And what that does, and then it goes, is what Colleen talked talk about relationship to community mm -hmm. and to your subscribers. Mm -hmm. And for the forty percent of your subscribers who who that satisfies, right. it doesn't just satisfy. They are so grateful, exactly. and they understand. And you have to you have to tend to those people. You have to tend to the Mamma Mia crowd. Right. You know, I mean, you, it, it's... And there's a lot yeah. of tending. Yeah. But I think it is about risk and whether right. it's the play or, or so I like to say, our communities trust us mm -hmm. enough to take the risk. But we also, and I don't know what you do, Mike, or not, but we also uh, allow people to opt out. Yeah. Because we, because I have to say, everything isn't for everyone. So when we do something risky where there's full frontal nudity, or, yeah. you know, content, you know, whatever, yeah. we say to the community ahead yeah. of time, this is a fabulous work. We absolutely yeah. love it. This is what this work is about. We hold discussions. Tom Hulse came out, we did Spring Awakening, and we held an, an open house in the theater. And we had a panel of parents and clergy and teachers to ask questions. And finally, someone stood up and said, OK, exactly what part might I be offended by? I mean, I want to know exactly what is that, you know, if it's the moment you know, or if it's, you know, the nude scene. And so once we said that, they went, mm, that's not so bad. And there were people who actually had said, no, I don't want that on the subscription. And then they went back and bought tickets because they, you know, learned. they had to say yeah. it. They yeah. learned. Yeah. They learned. Yeah. Al, that's a good word. Your dedication to your community is really admirable because they, I mean, I'm sure that when you hear the price of a, of a play like August Osage County right. and you decide, all right, I'm going to present it, right. you must take a swallow deeply because <laughs> the risk of it means There's that you have job. to make you know sure you're going to find yeah. a way to pay for it through the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I use, shocking, but I use a sports metaphor. You, you, you know, <laughs> brace yourselves. Okay, here we Punch. go. No, no, no. You see, I, I live in St. Louis, and there's this extraordinary loyalty to the Cardinals. It's a part of the fiber of their being. And they'll go, and the team loses. Yeah. It's charming. But the fact of looking is, is the team really trying? Are they really right. playing the game? Right. Do they love the game? So when you do something like August or something where it's not my taste, right. but if they realize, well, I applaud you for trying. That, yes. that, that's kind of amazing. Not my thing, but wow. Then you're fine. It's only when you do something that it's either poor quality and right. they know it when they yeah. see it, yeah. or something that's just really, they, they can't quite figure out why this would be done. Yeah, exactly. you're spoon-feeding them something cheap. That's, exactly. that's when you get into trouble. Exactly. Mike, I think it was you who mentioned um, really getting to know the the differences in the country and the country's audiences and things like that. Um, can we talk a little bit about what uh, what some of those differences are and what kinds of content? I mean, you mentioned Spring Awakening as being risky. Um, mm -hmm. What sort of content are you more hesitant, or do you feel feel needs more education to sort of book on? You the know, road? and I, I'm so happy Alan said learn because mm -hmm. it is about contextualizing the work. But if there is nudity, it needs a little more work. If there is any attack on any religious group in our community, mm -hmm. it needs advance work. Uh, and language. Language, language, language. And then you get the, I know you get this question all the time, 
can I bring my nine-year-old? <laughs> you know, and it doesn't really matter. Can I bring my, and, and right, and I have to say, I am a mother. You know, you're talking to my six-year-old who, you know, saw Tommy, you know, when she was three and saw this and that. But I think that's like one of those guides that we have to put out there. It's not that we don't do the work, we won't do the work, we are not receptive. It is that we have to prepare and say these, these things are going to happen. And I have, God bless yeah. my audience, I sit next to a couple of real old season holders and they said, we're so glad you told us that because we, you know, we, we don't want to hurt your feelings, but we didn't want to see it. I said, no, that's great. Yeah. That means yeah. you're getting the information, you're understanding the information, and yeah. you're choosing what's right for you. Yeah. At the same time, someone sitting next to me said, I wasn't sure, but I went and I loved it. Yeah. So it's just communication. It's, it's also interesting. Sometimes right. we misjudge mm -hmm. what they're going to be sensitive to. That's and right. and we, get yeah. hyper, we, we become hyper-cautious. I remember when mm -hmm. rent first went out. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. was, of course, it was groundbreaking mm -hmm. in, in many ways. But there was a big sensitivity on the road. Uh, there's subject matter there that, you know, our... Our demographic and subscribers are going to object to. So there was disclaimers, and there was you know you really don't have. There was you could opt out, and I don't believe. I mean the the amount of bounce back from audiences saying I can't believe you brought this to our town. It was so minimal mm -hmm. that we I think we all learned a lot from that yeah. show. I think but going right, forward, right. we still I mean Avenue Q. We were like oh there's there's puppets having sex. So really <laughs> we need to make sure that people are okay with that. Well, you know what? When it's puppets, it's kind of okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's amazing yeah. that we, we, yeah. we do tend to still be. Yeah. The knee-jerk reaction is they're not going to like this. We'll give them a chance, you know? Right. Hair just opened at the Kennedy Center. is doing right. great business. Mm -hmm. And we have some educational blurbs that we, we put in materials. And that's just about We have it. hair in December. And, <laughs> and, and, and exactly. I have to say, what's happening and what you've said, Meredith, is there's, again, going back to Alan's word, learning, a learning process. Yeah. So rent was like, ah. Oh, and then it was like Avenue, and then it was like Spring Awakening. Now we get to hair, and people are like, "Oh, hair! I'm just going <laughs> to take the naked. clothes off during that scene." And so, yeah. an audience becomes more and more sophisticated. Yes, as it goes on. Is there a difference in uh, demographic, as a, in terms of who goes to, like, in terms of age or anything else, in terms of who goes to Broadway and who goes uh -huh. to? Can you oh, tell yes. me a little bit about yeah. that? Oh yes, I, I would say it is the least diversified audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we work really hard and and to have people there, but I can go Pauline into and I our are theater. The demographic of the people we, who buy tickets. Yeah, we're okay. women, right. mm -hmm. predominantly white, unless you've seen um, like when Sean John did uh, oh, Raisin in the, Raisin sun. In the mm -hmm. sun, or when Denzel was on stage. You see the houses here in New York drastically change, mm -hmm. and the same thing on the road, but. I think that's where our greatest work is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, Mike. Yeah, no, it's 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 an island, you know. I mean, it, it remains. So I mean, everyone's working very hard on it. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is the relationship to the show. I mean, it's interesting to when you look at that tradition of why audience grew up going to musicals. Mm -hmm. it, there's still a strong cultural base for it, mm -hmm. and also, you know. Musicals still, for the most part, remain about the past. The music is about the past, the experience, which is, you know, it, it just is. It's kind of its beauty. I mean, um, and what's actually coming around right now is with the combination of Glee, which is I mean, basically, I love that show. basically, so if you look at yes. what he's doing there, he's stealing the MGM playbook. He used to do all those. They used to do all those anthology right. musicals. Yep. Get the stars out there, do the songs you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. you know, so it, there's sort of that thing. And what's interesting about that experience of the past is that if you look at what's happened in the rest of the culture of 
everybody being in a place where you can now, if you want, you can only look, read, and see those things that you know. When you go to the theater, and this is, I think, our fundamental challenge, you know you're going to be sitting next to people you may not know. You're not sure of what it is. And, 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 there, and there's that. But when it is something that you all think you understand, that it's a part of your lives, it's a very, very important sort of cultural connector, which that, that's like the genius of the Mary, Mary Poppins. You have the grandparents bringing the grandkids to something that I cherish. You share it with them, and then it's this extraordinary theatrical event. And you feel that audience sort of just becoming one with it. And the irony is it sort of come around as a really popular sort of force in mm -hmm. terms of what mm -hmm. I, I know there I'm going to feel something in common with people. I think also when people come to the theater, they do want to see themselves. And uh, a case in point right. of what's become a classic, Mamma Mia. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens again and again, and there's a lot of women there. Well, we had, I don't know, probably our fifth tour, and the young man that was cast as the fiance was African-American. And so the show's going on, people know and love the show, and then he walks out, and, and I know I heard this collective, and then it was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's the fiancé, and back into the show. Mm. And I think as much of that kind of casting that we can do, irrespective of the time period of the story, it says there's a place in it for me. I get to see me on that stage. And I think that's something that starts at the creative level. I think it's something we need to ask more of seeing. I, I remember um, Audra McDonald when uh, she was auditioning for Beauty and the Beast, and she said, I couldn't get hired as a spoon. <laughs> I mean, it was, in, it was in the New York Times Magazine. I was like, oh my god, first of all, she's gorgeous, and she sings beautiful, and she couldn't because that entire show <laughs> Definitely opened. Definitely fork type. It was an all-white cast that opened it. <laughs> you know, so I think those kinds of, you know, things. It is yeah. true that people want to see themselves on stage, which I think explains the popularity of a show like Rock of Ages right yes. now. Or Rock of Ages County. The yeah, people exactly. who are Jersey Boys for now. Yeah, Jersey Boys. Guys, guys love yeah. to come to Jersey Boys. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 People yeah. who lived through the 80s are now starting to reminisce about yeah. it. That wasn't exactly the most attractive cultural period of our lives, but that, was, that is what we have to look forward to, is a recreation yeah. of that period now. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think you, you begin to bring a culture of behavior. I brought my daughter to see Jersey Boys and said, what is she about? Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. And she was like, this is great music. I'm going to get this on my iPod. You know, and I do think that bringing your child, schools, you know, God bless the schools, they have the hardest time in the world. But when I lived on Long Island for a short period of time, we always came into town. Mm -hmm. we, we saw Leonard Bernstein conduct, we came to see that, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't happen anymore. And we as presenters, for Mike and I, we actually have to pick that up. Right. We actually bring the Girl Scouts, we, you know, go out and actively recruit those young people because I think there's a generation that didn't, whose parents were not able to afford it or what have you, to come. Yeah, the greatest long-term investment in Broadway would be the return of arts education to the schools, no question about it. Just again, while we're also yeah. grateful for Glee because at least it's on some level it's making being a part of the theater cool again. Right. That's right. It doesn't eliminate what Colleen started with, though, that we are very undiversified. I mean, each show has a little tangent it reach out, reaches out to, maybe a different age group slightly, maybe a different uh, race, maybe a different religion slightly. But it is, when you go to the theater on Broadway or probably on the road, you're sitting with theater goers. Right. Yeah. You're not sitting with people who right. generally it's their first time right. in the theater. Hmm. Because people who go to the theater are people who go to the theater. It sounds a little silly, but it's hard for people who don't go to the theater to 
to acclimate to that experience. That's what right. the blockbusters, Absolutely. the blockbusters right. really helped change that yes. because you bring know, those Phantom of the Opera the new people. Yep. was the first one that played four weeks minimum in every market, right. and people that. If it's a one-week subscription series, there's three more weeks of inventory that allow people that don't regularly go to, to come. come. Yeah, exactly. to come. And and I think economically, I think Meredith touched on the economy of all of this. What we've now discovered is there are people who are theater goers who said, "Look, I want to remain a theater goer, but there's I don't think I can do that." Two things: it brings in the theater goers, but it brings in those individuals who said, "You know." I went to see Jersey Boys and I kind of liked it, so I'll try three or four, mm -hmm. as opposed to you have all or you have nothing, because then you have a community that you sit with. Mm -hmm. Just like, I'll use a sports analogy, when <laughs> we go and see the Phoenix Suns play, you have your season seats and that becomes your little right. neighborhood. And that's what we find with ours. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the ways to bring people into the theaters to be able to do that. One thing we haven't talked about, sometimes there are uh, productions that, as I understand it, do fairly well on the road, but never do come into New York for whatever reason. How often is that viable? When does that, when does that happen, I guess, is the question. It's not. Yeah. The last one I remember that had a full tour before coming into New York was, was Jekyll and Hyde, yeah, I think. That's right. Well, Mamma Mia did a lot. Did, but Mama, it, but it was no, London. London, but London was big, big, right. big, London big, was big, big, and then Toronto yeah. sat for, right. for right. Right. yeah, but right. it's still, but yes, it played well, the major markets before it came into well, New York. Well, you know right. what, Barry Weiss, Can you ever sir. not come into New York, I guess is my question? Well, yeah, there are some yeah. shows that Happy Days never came into New York. Doolittle, right. did, that, did that tour? Dr. Doolittle never came in. I don't think it was ever planned to come in. I'm producing Bring It On. And actually, we're that our deliberate strategy with that show is to tour for a period of time, and then come into New York. I mean, Barry Weissel used to do it all the time. In fact, mm -hmm. most right. of his shows were that way. Mm -hmm. What's the thinking? You you mentioned that's a deliberate strategy. What's well, that? you know, part of it is, and this is where the more the producer hat comes in. You particularly when you ha and we have this amazing creative team, but one of the frustrations for all of us part of the creative community is people need time to learn their craft. They need time to get the show right. And, you know, four weeks out of town for some of these major musicals, it's just not enough time anymore, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so part of this is we're doing a regional and then, then we're gonna do, we're gonna tour and then hopefully if everything goes okay, come into New York. So part of it is giving them everything to get the show the best it can be. The other thing is that when you're, when you're doing shows that are designed to be entertainments, you know, you can look at the track record in New York, and sometimes it's a hostile environment around here. Mm -hmm. And we have mm -hmm. this extraordinary music, and we, I know that audiences are going to flip for the score. So I know as a producer, and you know, I mean, David Merrick did it on, on Oliver. But you right. can't do that with every title. You can't do it with every no, title. Yeah. It's specific. No. You're, you're right about the hostile yeah. environment, because now that you mentioned it with Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia was actually never contemplated to come in. Right. It was a big hit. It was, it, they just expected it to be a hit on the road in the middle America, but they knew that the critics would, you know, have a gun pointed at them. Right. Um, and it was ironic in terms of the timing when Mamma Mia came in, because it came in right after September 11th. And I remember the Times, who everybody, six months prior would have said, they're going to slaughter this show. Mm -hmm. The Times went, you know what, this is uh, what we need. This is exactly what we need right now. It's a Twinkie, yeah. and it tastes good, and it feels well, we good, do. and this is just yeah. what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So some of it is just timing. Yeah. Yeah. But generally, I would say most shows want to play New York. Yeah. Right. To establish yes. their brand. Right. Yes, to establish right. the brand. Because right. then, then you go back to an earlier question right. you asked, is do you need that good housekeeping seal of approval of the Broadway brand in order to tour? And in most cases, you actually do. You right. probably could have toured 
Mary Poppins right. before yes. it came yes. to public. Yes. Right. Everybody wants to see that, I yeah. presume. Yeah. Right? And, and, I and Bring It On would work because of the, the familiarity, oh, yes. familiarity right. yeah, of the but, title. But it also ties into, and this is where working Andy Blankenbuehler's director and choreographer, uh, amazing. But part of it, it ties into the earlier conversation of working with him saying, we, we don't expect it to tour as a blockbuster without this sort of branding. So here are the economics of this tour to make it make sense. And that, that reality has been on the table for Andy and David Korins and Andrew the designers as we've created the whole show. So it, that mentality and understanding and, and Jake Bell, who's an extraordinary uh, production guy, worked on many tours, has been in the room with them saying, well, if you want to do this moment, here's the impact on the trucks and here's that. So, there's a whole wow. there's a whole craft there mm -hmm. that I mean what's interesting is that it used to be really prior to the Cameron Revolution mm -hmm. there there were Broadway producers and there were road That's producers true. and yeah. the Broadway yeah. producers handed over the show to the road producers because mm -hmm. they understood this is a different craft this is a different mm -hmm. form mm -hmm. to to get right mm -hmm. and then and so now there's sort of an understanding and but there are right. producers who have really made their um, by working with New York producers and doing their road translation, right. as right. it were. Right. So the artist doesn't have just a blank canvas. It's already inside a frame. Right. Mm -hmm. They can only paint mm -hmm. out to the edges, mm -hmm. in other words. I mean, it seems like you know, a simplified way of doing it, but they've got parameters they have to work within, which actually, I think, frees them to do the job properly or to their own satisfaction. And I, you know, and I think that's a wonderful concept mm -hmm. because a, we spend, I spend a lot of time in New York and in London and seeing work and then seeing if it's, it's out of town. And a lot of times I watch work and go, I wonder how much of that is actually going to get on a truck. <laughs> yeah. you know, and what is that really going to look like when it comes to my house? And that's one of the things that I have to be very concerned about. So I have to say, okay, uh, when someone says, well, we've handed it over to uh, a road producer, okay, what happened to it? You know, and if I don't have the opportunity to see it beforehand, I almost never present anything unless I've seen it. Never. You want to know that it never. hasn't been compromised, right. it's been customized. Right. right. To go back right. to where right. we started right. at the beginning. Right. Good, Most good, of the road producers, though, now that, that work a lot have really mastered yeah. that craft. Yes, yeah. yes. Have really yes. mastered well, it and right. work in partnership with the Broadway producer. And they know. And it's usually a co production in some right. way right. to help it move quicker, right. make cuts that are very, uh, that are not noticeable. No, no, I, I, com yeah. I completely agree. But I think there is a vigilance mm -hmm. that we still have to do. My very first show, which will remain nameless, 19 years ago, when I came to Gamage, I went and watched it and I went, I am really angry. I'm upset oh. with the show. I think the actors are phoning it You'll in. You'll tell us later. And so, no, 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 <laughs> it will remain secret. Favorite. And I went backstage and I was looking for the production stage manager and they had the call board and there was a note on the call board that said, we really have to gear it up because um, for our next performance, because we're going to, and I won't even name the next theater, and that's a really important theater town. Oh, I was <laughs> furious. I called the producer and said, get on a plane and get here if you ever hope to work here again, ever. And that person did do it. But it was, but even when a show comes in, on that opening night, I am sitting there going, okay, mm. it's good. Okay, I'm so happy I happy. wasn't at the other end of that. Yeah, <laughs> that was like, oh, and I'm still the man. I'm still the man. But I did want to say one other thing about diversity, because I think we glossed over it a bit. One of the other issues at play is the industry itself. And our industry is not very diverse. Right. And whether it's mm -hmm. our booking agents, presenters, producers, it's not very diverse. Mm -hmm. And until we make strides there, I don't think we're going to see the diversity in our audiences. The creation. 
because yeah. their people are not at the creative table, they're not at any part of this industry, and that behooves us yeah. to do as much um, mentoring and bringing young people along. Do you feel like s uh, steps are beginning to to be made with shows like In the Heights or maybe the Color Purple tour? Or yeah, I think so. And, and I, I again. Again, it goes back to, you know, what is Broadway? And I think that, that definition and title is shifting and changing, but I think there needs to be more people of color who are producers. There needs to be more people of color who are presenters, who are booking agents, so mm -hmm. that the, the industry, so diversity doesn't have to be thought of as a one-off, that it's integrated into the industry. And we're just not there. Producers have a tendency to produce things that entertain them. Right. So it comes right. from their own should. taste. Right. Um, that those are the shows that generally work, are the ones that actually please the person who's behind creating it. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's right; it has to be a fundamental shift in the people who are participating in the process. Um, otherwise, we can't just say we're going to diversify our audience. We have to diversify the product, probably. Yeah. And you're right; things like In the Heights do help, um, but it reaches out just tangentially to to a little bit of an, a different audience. Okay. Can you ever find shows from off Broadway? Does that ever happen? Sure. Oh. oh, yeah. Nonsense. We did a tour yes. of nonsense. Nonsense. Stomp, <laughs> Stomp. Is, a, is a big one. Blue Man one. Group is out right now. Big, 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 big numbers, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But they're usually oh, uh, special events, though. Right. They are. It's usually like right. a Stomp or a yeah. Blue Man Group. Yeah. I, I don't recall there being a, an uh, off-Broadway musical or play yes. that's I don't think so. toured recently. Alter Boys did it tour. Uh, they did oh, yeah. yes. Alter Boys toured him and it's unique because well. the uh, off-Broadway economic is, is a difficult one to work in, so it's hard to create a show in that mm -hmm. uh, genre. Um, but yeah, that, it does exist, and it actually helps because mm -hmm. often there are alternative type uh, entertainments which help diversify, diversify your product, right? Right. right? right, exactly. But it also points to some of the challenge because as, as a presenter, what's happened on, in Broadway communities, as you pointed out, off-Broadway, it's gone. So as a producer, you might as well spend the extra million and do it on Broadway and roll the dice. Mm -hmm. So you have so so you have a lot that that's what you know that's bloody bloody Andrew Jackson, that's um, I'm sorry what was the show um, you mentioned that came from the public, oh, Passing Strange. Passing sorry. Strange. Sorry. I'm Passing sorry. Strange. Passing that's strange. that show, right? And and yeah. and though yeah. those are hard right. to present for us right, right. now because the audiences aren't right. used to that vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Scottsboro mm -hmm. Boys, the same thing. Yeah. And so yeah. part of you as this presenter, you, right. you're sort of having to sort of guide them into, okay, here's our off-Broadway right. niche show, right. and, you know, begin that conversation mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. them. Those shows that he just mentioned a generation ago would have been produced off-Broadway. Off -Broadway. Right. Yeah. Right. How soon do you begin thinking about a national tour? Well, then it used to be. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, often uh, producers are interviewing booking agents before the shows even come into New York, and more often than not, in fact. Um, the touring life of, of a Broadway show, that's often where a lot of the money is. So, I mean, it's, I don't think anybody anymore comes in with the expectation, well, I'll just do Broadway, maybe I'll do The Road. I mean, I, it's kind of a package deal, or you hope it to be. Um, you plan for success, and success includes a distribution beyond New York. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it isn't crucial to hire the booking agent before you've done your Broadway yes, show, yes. but you want. <laughs> I agree. But you, but you want to be prepared for writing it for whatever. When the first song is written. When the first note. Let it start with C. We're going to start the show with the letters for the note C. Z. Begin in California. Exactly. As, as a presenter, you're because again, it's a small business, and we all talk way too much. I mean, you're you're reading scripts. You basically know, right. as the New York community knows, right. you know what's going to be on Broadway for the next 18 months, right. and 
one of the things that's probably not known is a lot of presenters invest in Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big sort of angel pool for Broadway producers. Mm -hmm. So you're pretty much tracking everything 18 to 24 months out. Mm -hmm. And the smart producers are also planting seeds and letting everybody know this is what I'm working on. You know, there, there is just sort of a real conversation that goes on all the time. And we are often invited to workshops. Uh -huh. I remember Little House on the Prairie and actually Patrick Swayze was in that workshop yeah, with Melissa mm -hmm. and saying what do you think? I mean and you mentioned uh, the Weislers. We actually had a conversation where they said what would you like to see? Right. You know, not like you what know what, do you think? what would you like to see? Right. And you know and it, because the road has an import both in the economics of a show, but also in the life of New York. I mean, it is a symbiotic relationship. It isn't a top-down relationship where I think it might have been at the beginning stages yep. of the road. It's like this. Mm -hmm. I'm making that happen. Is it a challenge to make some people understand that, or to get some people to understand that, or is that has that uh, improved over the years? I think it's a given. Oh, yeah. I think it's a given. Yeah. We are yeah. economic partners We're now. We're all in it together. Yep. If you don't yeah. understand it, you're not, you're not actually <laughs> participating. Or Although, you won't yeah. be for you long. You do get a lot of, <laughs> uh, you get these two. I get a lot of calls like, what will America think about? Oh, right, 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 Mr. Right, right, America. Well, as the spokesman for America, I'll tell you. Well, you know. I got a call once to come up to Toronto to see a show, which will remain nameless. And they go, well, what do you think about the show? And I said, well, these are the things that I don't think will really work and they went okay 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 and then I was down in New York doing something in the company that was going to work with this company they said well we're going to bring it down they go well did you make those changes Colleen talked to you about and I went oh really we're supposed to do something with that information but I think people really want to know um, what is going will the road you know find and not just Tempe Arizona but will the rest of the country think this is a good thing or not a good road thing? Worthy. Is, is it road worthy? That's mm -hmm. a good example. Is Remain Nameless a musical or play? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remain Nameless. Remain Nameless. No, no. You're talking about that twice? Yeah, I got no. Okay, I am. And do they have booking agent? It is a small business. Yes. I mean, when we saw each other today and Gail was saying, oh, yeah, well, let me in. And we were like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? There wasn't a, like, who are you? Everyone knows everyone. How many markets are there around the country? Can you? Is there oh, a, ooh, well, Meredith? Well, we're talking full subscription weeks or, or more. Um, 60? 60. Okay. And then, then you take a show, the one that, that, uh, that I'm proud of in terms of the number of cities, Les Miserables went to 175 markets. So that was really expanding it. It played a full week. Beyond the full week. Beyond right. the full week. No, but they played full weeks in every single one of those. Wow. So right. Sioux City, yes. Yes. South Dakota, right. played a full week. Wow. So it really expanded mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say about, there was said 65. Well, to that point, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, but um, I mean, Cam the impact of those Cameron Macintosh shows in the early 90s mm. fundamentally changed touring Broadway because it allowed a lot of cities to begin building right. their subscription right. series because their their those shows were so popular and everybody had to have tickets that they bought the tickets for the other shows, so they began to get the whole sense of the whole experience. Right. Yeah, so mm -hmm. what used right. to be, that's why the road has gotten, the, the, the tours have gotten longer, is because right. what used to be a split week market, right. um, some of these shows have cultivated and that they've that's developed right. into full week full markets week over time. Lubbock, Texas right. rented the theater in Lubbock, Texas for Les Miserables, and then the presenter, right. saw, a presenter who was not working in the market came in and decided to do a series there because right. it was a big hit. So. Right. It kind of helps expand mm -hmm. them. And in many markets, you sometimes you have more than one theater doing Broadway, or you have an independent 
producer coming in, doing road work. Uh, so I, I think there are a wide range of people. There's a whole presenting market in colleges and universities. And if there is a particular work, that work may actually have a life out on college and university campus that traditionally would not be doing Broadway. The play, the play, the play. The play. <laughs> <laughs> and on that Sorry. note, that might actually be time for us to wrap it up. Oh. There, um, <laughs> they're giving me that. <laughs> giving me that. Yes. Don't forget the musical. Also, the Thanks for joining us. And thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing, I'm Gordon Cox. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. I'm Ted Chapin, chairman of the American Theatre Wing. The Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. Best known for creating the Tony Awards, we stand for excellence, but we also support education in the theatre, and our work reaches beyond Broadway in New York. The Working in the Theatre television programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are unequaled forums for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth radio interviews were created in conjunction with XM Satellite Radio and can be heard on our website. For people who are starting their careers, we have a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country called Springboard NYC. And our theater intern group provides a forum for young people who are starting their careers to build a professional network. All of the American Theater Wing's educational and media programs are available for free on demand from our website, americantheaterwing.org. Thanks for your interest in the wing, and thanks for watching.